This is Jan Cox Talk number 2589, recorded October 9th, 2000. Can you people in tape land tell whether I'm sitting down or standing up? A couple of things hit me from everyday life today. They're not really new in the history of man. It was, to give you the basis, uh, an attempted intellectual uh, format that was on uh, public radio. And they were doing like a survey of a certain so-called uh, working class rock hero who's been a star during our lifetime. I repeat, I've, it just hit me, but they've been doing this since Athenian times. Sumerian hieroglyphics on pottery. <laughs> but here it is, and they were interviewing psychologists, musicologists, sociologists, and, but at any rate, people who, in the general scheme of things, in Western civilization, or at least in the U.S. culture, the kinds of people who would be considered uh, easily to be intellectuals. And they were just going on and on about the man's background and how free he had been in his music. He wrote his own songs, they said. But how free he was to confess his poor lower class background, how his father was a drunk, mistreated him, his mother. This, you know, the regular story. And in some way he used it for his art. But the point is, without me trying to quote too much of it, the intellectuals, the people talking about it, were gushing. Like, oh, oh, in tones envious. People, we will assume, because I repeat, just trust me, people who did not come from that sort of background. Envious. I can't think of the source of this quote that I remember, but I've, it seems as though it was somewhere back in the early Renaissance that some king of one of the royal families in Europe, may have been during the early Enlightenment, used to dress up as a commoner, disguise himself, and go out the story goes, and hang around, walk up and down the streets and hang out with the common folks. And he would say later, when he would come back and talk to his ministers and other people in court, he would, he would talk about how he envied ordinary common people compared to him carrying the weight of the crown on his head. And that he would go on and on, and that supposedly one day, one of the ministers mentioned another one, that it was easy for the king to say that because if you know, the commoners had the same sort of envy toward him that they would like to be king, and he says, oh, he would like to be just a common ordinary person, but the difference is, whereas the common people did not have the ability to make their dream come true, <laughs> the damn king did. It was within his power. And so it was pointed out that that is a you know, pretty cheap modeling attempt to say, oh, I envy them so much, he didn't have to. He could walk out and become just an old 
right, the mill shit kicker, whereas the common people couldn't. Tied to this, before I comment on that, I thought that was enough. I thought, well, there is my sermon for the day. Then they played a sketch of one of his songs. And the song, one of the, the line that jumped out, and the song, I don't remember the title, but this was the basis of the song. And again, I point out to you, this is not anything new and is certainly not limited to pop music circa 20th century. Because this sort of thing was going on. Well, anyway, i tell you the line that hit me. And the, the gist of the song is he's talking about he lost his way. And I was just listening to a few of the words beforehand. But when it said that, I listened to a few more. And it's this old story that he had struggled and fought his way up from playing in bars and got married and, uh, to his childhood sweetheart and then suddenly became famous. And then the dope and the women, the groupies. that, And then he lost his way. But then how after... You know, a certain length of time, he experienced redemption. But as I was going to say, there have been interpretations going back as far as the uh, as Homer, as opposed to my analyzation of the uh, trials and tribulations of Ulysses, Odysseus, there's been another view of it, that he lost his way. He went out and became a hero, and then lost his way. And that the whole thing about trying to get back home was a man losing his way. But the story goes on and on. In fact, I guess it's the, now I think about it, is the most, probably the most, the second most popular and used story throughout history. The first one usually having to do with sex, that is, a romance. Everything from fiction to stories in the Bible uh, and the uh, Vedic literature. Uh, the most recent interpretation of all movies and all fiction is boy meets girl, boy falls for girl, boy loses girl, boy gets girl back. That is all fiction, and that is the most common, probably. I would say the second is man man has success or man go boy becomes man, man becomes active or man becomes successful, man loses his way, man redeems himself. In other words, if you take out sex out of the kind of stories, the myths, the religious stories, fiction, if you take out sex, I would say, without any doubt, that that's the next most common theme. The redemption of man losing his way. Well, think about that. It passes. It has been accepted for thousands of years as being a very insightful comment that it is accepted that the person who spoke the words, I lost my way. For a while, I lost my way. That the confession itself has always been accepted to be absolute evidence, proof of the person's deep philosophical insight. Because ordinary people obviously lose their way. You see a man laying in the gutter you know, why no, a drunk? And everyone says, well, he lost his way, certainly. But there he is. But there's a difference. He's not worried of a story. Nobody writes, makes up myths about a man who becomes a drunk, falls in the gutter and stays there. No, no, no. The only way he becomes mythical, the only way he becomes of interest is he rises up. 
story of redemption. I mean, you can look at all religion. You can look at the whole story of uh, dead gods or dead semi-divine figures dying and then reviving themselves. And even across from that is the idea from mythology of the phoenix. The bird you know, was destroyed, consumed in flames, and from its own ashes would rise again. Jesus rose from the dead. The Vedic literature is full of it. The Zoroaster, the general tales that he told. Anyway, it's everywhere. The redemption of man. At the extreme, the physical redemption from death. But the other one, during the life, is the redemption of a person who has lost their way. Does it strike any of you how far removed thought, ordinary thought, is from itself? I don't know how else to say it. I thought about this afternoon how to put this. I knew I'd have to go further. That's the way it hit me. That's the way I liked it, in case you're interested, when I told you. But how far removed thought is from itself. Thought being the only thing that thinks. <laughs> we got that. It's the only thing that thinks. So if there's anything that thinks that has any ability to think, that has any talent for thinking, it's what? Come on, somebody help me. Thought. And yet, look how far that thought does something or operates in a realm in a way to say it's singular doesn't even cover it. I assume you'd all agree there's nothing close to thought. We could find things close to uh, many of the other functions of the body. <clears throat> Some of the functions even, in a sense, parallel themselves. You could find a parallel between the functions of the kidneys and the function of the liver. In certain areas, certain specific operations, you could find a direct parallel. There is no parallel in any other aspect of man. There's nothing that you, to which you can compare thought. You can't say that thought is something like, well, in a sense, it's like the lungs do. It is singular. So... It still strikes me. Now, as I said, I'm saying this to you to try to encourage you to consider it on your own because I found it to be useful. Not just interesting, but useful. Thought being singular in what it does, how can it stay? What's up that makes it be able to stay so far removed from the reality of itself? A man says, I lost my way. Either in a rock song, in a myth, in a religious story, in some great philosophical except or some philosophical tale, or a tale that's taken to be of philosophical impact, a man lost his way. No one ever questions that. If I didn't bring it up, I can't believe that anybody would ever have a second thought about that. You just simply know what it means. A man says, I lost my way. And whatever it was after that, the details surely wouldn't be a surprise. But at any rate, you simply accept it. You probably think... Well, there were times I lost my way. For a while, I started cheating on my husband or my wife. Or for a while, I began to drink during the day. Or, you know, God knows what. I lost my way. Now, first off, as always, I'll point out, if it helps you going, there's nothing but what goes on in the cortical area of a man's brain would come up with that notion. You can't imagine if they had anything resembling conscious, consciousness, your lungs, your liver, your kidneys would never say, I lost my way for a while. See, I lost my way 
indicates several things. One is that there is a way in which the speaker should be operating and that it's known to the speaker that there is a proper way to live, proper way to, well, to live. And I strayed from it. Knowing better, I strayed. I lost my way. Because when they say I lost my way, we all understand, if I must back up for a second, that that is used in a literary sense. Because people do not say, well, I lost my way on the basis that they literally lost their way. What they meant was, I knew I shouldn't start taking drugs, but my friends were taking it casually. I did it on the weekend. Then sometimes I'd do it in the middle of the week. Maybe just on Wednesday night, I'd do a little dope. The next thing I know, I thought, well, I'm doing it every third day. I'll do it on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and I'll drop Wednesday. I knew I was losing my way. That is, when, I, when people say they lost their way, they meant that it is something having to do with a consciousness of life. <coughs> Here's my question to me. I know I'm going to keep on talking about it to you people because I don't know whether they'll have the same impact. It's my question as always when I hear something like that. How in the hell can you lose your way? But all ordinary thought would reject that. Any intelligent, literate, sophisticated person, if I brought up, not all I have right in the last 20 minutes, but if I brought up the idea of men losing their way and then redeeming themselves, and they go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, classic story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can make them, and they go, yeah, you're right. And if I said, okay, and so that is the makings of a truly classic all-encompassing, soul-touching story. I mean, there is a scene to touch all intelligent, reasonable, spiritual kind of men that we can lose our way, but we can redeem ourselves. That I lost my way is surely one of the indicative cries of humanity. You know, like it affects us all. And the person will go, yeah. And if I said, okay, except for this, how in the hell can you lose your way They would then figure they were dealing with a maniac. Up until that point, I seemed to be literate and insightful myself. And then suddenly, after I brought up the whole thing and was pointing out how common the story is, that we all understand its metaphorical meaning, and they go, yeah, yeah, And then I say, except for this. What kind of shit is it? Are, you, are the people crazy? If it helps, I'll bring you back to this. You're born into this universe. That is, this universe internally, the way I look at it. I usually call it life. You know, give birth to all this. Here you are in this universe. How do you lose your way? And your thoughts are going to say, well, it is not simply a mundane, tangible, physical problem that you lose your way. Well, what's the examples? Getting drunk, taking dope, cheating on your wife. How much phys more physical can it get? Boy, I got them. I was going to drag it out further. I didn't know I was that good. Ordinary thoughts wouldn't put up with that, though. Because everyone, with giving it no analyzation, believes that you can lose your way. And they would insist, well, I don't mean just physically. In case you weren't paying attention, I just cut them off at the short hairs. How can you lose your way? It implies that there is some way that is, in fact... The, perhaps only, proper way for humanity in general, or at least for certain types of people, maybe with certain 
religion or a certain culture of a certain family unit of a certain tribe are if you were that big an egomaniac no I didn't mean that or you could just feel as though well skip that was the point that you could feel as though you lost your way the way being that which was proper for you I ask you again can you not see how far removed from themselves to me that means more than saying how far removed thoughts are from reality but see, thought's reality is themselves. I'm just trying to cut the middleman. How far removed thoughts are from the reality of themselves then for a person to say, I lost my way. Or for a person to read or to hear someone else sing a song or write a poem or a story. There for a while, I lost my way. And all over this planet for thousands of years, people nod like, oh, well, I understand that or how true, how insightful for you to be able to admit it. Because for a man to admit it, you assume the story is going to end on a high note that he redeemed himself. Or else he would not even, he would still be in the gutter. I have lost my way. What's the basis of all religion? That humanity has lost its way. And that come join up, return to Mother Church, return to the church, convert to the proper religion, and you're no longer lost. I don't know how anyone can try and look at that head on and stay. I don't know how your mind can operate consistently as it did after that. I mean, if you see it enough to where it blows up on you. It is the height. I can say of ridiculousness, but it's the. I don't know. It's just a prime example of what, quote, being asleep is of being so entangled with your own thoughts that you take it as being some useful statement that they're making. If not definitive, as useful, as insightful, and it's nothing. I hate to say it's the opposite because it's worse than that. It's funnier than that. I lost my way. It doesn't say anything or it's no more intelligent for me to say, oh, no, you didn't. For those of you that read today's news, that was why I was touching on, you can't, you need a, f a form of poison to thought, and only thought can provide it, but it can't be absolutely toxin, which is simply naysaying. It's simply saying, well, people believe they've lost their way, or I thought I lost my way, but that's not true, I didn't lose my way. Okay, now I'm all right. It's not just the opposite. Well, it is, but it's more than that. That doesn't tell you anything because then you just keep, it's like jumping off the merry-go-round or believing it's going in the opposite direction. At any rate, I see the two as being connected. I thought might help you. The idea that people of sophistication, people of one particular background, as I started out, and the ones that I indicated of the critics, the uh, psychologists, the psych psychologists and sociologists who are commenting on this working class songster, and I was saying that they were expressing envy. What a great life it must have been to grow up poor in a ghetto and your father be a drunk. You know, shit. I grew up in Westport and 
you know, went to Andover and then went to Yale. I'm ashamed to admit it. But boy, where I'd be today if only I had been lucky enough to have a father who was an alcoholic, you know, and had to wear cardboard in my shoes to school. You know what that represents? You understand, I'm not talking about upper class, lower class, or one school. You know what it represents? The fact that thoughts, wherever they are, are never satisfied. No matter where thoughts are. Because when the king was saying, boy, I envy the common folks, or when these psychologists, these music critics were saying, oh, oh, to grow up in that section of Philadelphia, to be able to rise above that, and with his background, of his father was in prison, and his mother was a drunk and beat him. And for him now to be able, I mean, we would expect him to be in prison, but listen to the kind of songs he writes. Listen to the way that he brought himself through that in some spiritual way, that now, after living that horrendous, almost, it's unthinkable, childhood to people like me, that he could then write songs about, I lost my way. But then, blah, blah, blah. You know, but then I found myself and got back. Isn't that something? And you can hear the envy like, God, if I had just been able to lose my way like that and then redeem myself. I repeat, it has nothing to do with the people involved. What I see it is it's thought. There it is, the thoughts in a guy's head who grew up with a platinum spoon in his cheek. Man who had it made. Man who never had to work, never had any effort, didn't even have to study. His family would pay somebody else to take his test at Yale. Or his father would buy the damn school. No problem. And what happens? He ends up, could afford to do, pursued anything he wanted to. Now he, he became a music critic, not for the money. He became a, an art critic. Or maybe his father bought a magazine, started a magazine. It may be his mind. Anyway, there he is. And what does he envy? What do the thoughts in his head envy? This lower class, poor, uneducated guy who lost his way. Forget the people. It's thought. No matter where thoughts are, they want to be somewhere else. Or in this case, what it seems to be is no matter who they are, they want to be somebody else. But it's the same thing. It doesn't matter what you call it, who or what. Thoughts are never satisfied. And they consistently say, I've lost my way. Until you ask them, until you ask yourself, well, how so? Then they give you the brush off. Assuming they're polite. Right, everyone understood the obvious humor even the sardonic humor of the king coming back after a night of wandering the streets dressed as a commoner to say, oh, how I envy those people. Oh, how I envy. And so one of the guys there, at least to himself, noted the obvious, that that's a pretty cheap thing for you to say. Because the streets, all the people you were around, they pass the palace and look, and they all think, God, if I could only be the king, if I could live like that. You know, how dare you say, oh, if I could just be like them, because you've got it within your power, whereas they never will. What that indicates to me, what I'm trying to point to, 
is that some thoughts would appear to have the ability to be somewhere else. Because I say that all thoughts want to be somewhere else. They want to be somebody else. But to me, it's like somewhere else. Either way, it's useful to you. That every thought, if you find a thought that does not feel that way, and I've never described it this way, so it may be, might take you a few seconds or a bit to look at it that way. But find a thought in you to which what I just said does not apply. And it can be tricky. Well, I, I shouldn't give you an excuse. It might take a little effort, a few tries. But I'm telling you that you don't have thought. Well, it's not common to have any thought that is not a thought that wants to be somewhere else. It's back to, as I see it, or one of my descriptions to you, is that is the purpose of conscious thought is is to be able to manipulate the environment, to change our environment, change physical things to enhance our chances of survival, to enhance, in fact, our life while we are here, to make it more comfortable, which is just another form of making life more survivable. And so that's why, as I was also pointed out, that conscious thought does not see things as they are. After the first time. After that, if it looks back on things, that is, if it thinks about them, it's always on the basis of how they could be, how they might be. So you have thought. The way I, from this kind of model, the way I found it useful, very useful, and more revealing than I can ever go into, but that if you look at every thought you have, and if you can find exceptions, all right, but I'm saying, just generally speaking, every thought you have Everybody, that thought wants to be somewhere else. It wants to be another thought. How can a thought say it lost its way on that basis? And I could make it really annoying for those of you who no longer like to eat prunes. They're changing the name, however, to dried plums. You didn't read? You didn't hear about that? The Prune Growers Association of America has applied to the Agriculture Department, and last I read, the Agriculture Department had tentatively agreed that they will no longer be called prunes because of their previous adverse association. I think not unlike that women's college in New England that changed its name from Beaver College recently, <laughs> which supposedly was a grand old, I'd never heard of it, but a grand old private exclusive women's college but said after what it was a hundred years that they had decided that times had changed so much that they were going to change their name to the dried plums <laughs> college for women at any rate if you try to tell thought any particular thought do you realize you're crying that you've lost, well, what I was going to say? I might as well tell you what I went, passed over. I was going to say, if everybody was up to eating prunes, really being irritated, I would point out or suggest that you consider the idea that I say that all thoughts want to be somewhere else. All thoughts want to be some other thought. How that applies to the fact that of all the thoughts, all of us, have magically appearing in our heads, all that were there, all the infestation in your mental residence that was there when you moved in, when you were born. That out of all of that, people like us have this one thought. It seems to develop postnatally, but we have this one thought 
that denies the other thoughts. One thought that considers itself superior, at least in potential, to all the other thoughts. That is, the thought, I want to be awake. And all those other thoughts are asleep. I want to know what's going on. And all those other thoughts are simply speculating at best. All those other thoughts have lost their way. I have not. I may not know the way exactly. I may not know how to walk the way to the end. But at least I know my way is the way. And that they have lost their way. They're asleep. They're prejudicial. They're one-sided. They're parochial. They're simply deluded, sleeping, captive thinking. Thoughts. But this thought says, I have not lost my way. If you just want something to keep you up, then my question was going to be, and I was going to look to you, is that, that's pretty nervy. How can that be? I mean, it's obviously the exception, right? I think that the word exception should always have, the modifier, I think it should be one word, is obvious exception. I don't think there should be anything that humans be allowed or human thought be allowed to speak of exception without it being obvious exception. All right. You want to know why? Of course, it wouldn't work, but this is it. If I could make it that way, it would finally annoy enough people that every time people would write the word exception, the damn speller on their computer would flash red Children in school could not use the word exception without getting a failing grade. So everyone would finally have to face the fact that now the word exception was obvious exception. It was one word and they had to get used to it. They had to live with it. I was hoping, say this is my dream world, that it would annoy people so bad. And for them to think one guy had the ability, he did this, and he was a smart ass anyway. I heard about him. And he's the one that was behind this. God damn it, what a waste of time. And it may be here and there, somebody would finally think, I wonder what that, why did he do that? What was the point? And then it hit him. Did it hit you? Is anybody still awake? An obvious exception. That's wonderful. An obvious exception. Not a hard to see exception, not a subtle exception, not a not a possible exception, not a semi. But I say that all exceptions should be now just one half of one word, one syllable. Well, three syllables out of a six-syllable word. That the one word should be obvious exception. And then I'll let those who have the potential to ever see anything wonder, why the hell did they make that change? The obvious exception is, I was going to say, and you work on it if you want to, is how can that one thought that says, I want to awaken, and that's about all it is, there's one thought in everybody's head. I've put off for several months ever writing or saying anything about that, whether any of you listened. And it took me a while, just one day it hit me years ago, that it is one thought. Far for older, older ideas, and it used to say that a man's uh, sleeping self is composed of a myriad of individual diluted selves or eyes. Such stories as the conference of the birds. 
Others I could drag up my own interpretation from older than that. But the idea that a man, under ordinary conditions, a man asleep, a man deluded, is actually fractured. He is not one person. That's why he's undependable. That's why he has no real insight into life. Because his views can change from moment to moment. His so-called understanding can change just as quickly as circumstances. His personality can apparently change. He can be in a good mood and then somebody walk up of a different religion as him. And just suddenly, or a different political party, or a different a supporter of a different soccer team. And suddenly, in an instant, he can go from being a friendly guy having a conversation with his friends to being a belligerent, dangerous person just because somebody walked up and it turns out that they're supporters of South Whipton's soccer club as opposed to Yorkshire's. And so they can say, well, there's the there's an obvious example of a man asleep, a man deluded, that there is no solid, permanent self in there. And that the whole idea of being awake is to have a whole permanent, solid self, which I've never talked about that directly. See, that's either an absolute canard mistake, or let's turn it backwards and it could be all right. That if there is nothing to him at all, you could consider that a solid, dependable, permanent self. If you're truly clear-headed, are those of you that can take it empty-headed? There's one thought that wants to awaken, and the rest of them that do not have no interest. It's not that they do not, they simply have no interest in it. That one thought's idea is that they have lost their way. And if they knew what he knew, that one thought, that they would be envious. They would want to be like this thought. Why don't they show any interest? It's like the reverse of the commoners and the king. The thought that wants to awaken is like the commoner and all the ones that have no interest are like the king. They got the power to do it. He doesn't. Why would the cells in our brain, why would life have it arranged to where it would ever come to this, if I may say so, sorry pass? <laughs> Literary term, of course. I always wanted to say it. Come to this sorry pass. Okay, now that I've said it. Come to this curious pass. <laughs> come to this funny pass. Back to the question. I don't know what I'm going to say anymore. Does anybody get it? You know I'm insinuating something than when I was doing my little theatrics about how can you lose your way? And we all know every human on this planet would find that question insane. That is my inference that how can that be? That people lose their way and they would point to people, their family members. They would probably use themselves. And I lost my way. How can anybody who can... That, that part of their brain producing conscious thought. How can that thing not be able to take the idea a man lost his way for a while? What lost his way? It's saying like I left the universe. If, if you can see it, it literally is, is as ridiculous. And yet we all know by six billion other minds 
it is not ridiculous that I'm being ridiculous. But to lose your way, you would have to exit this universe. You would have to disappear. But you would simply have to get out of this universe to lose your way. It's just a variation of saying the whole idea of, of blasphemy, of being able to actually offend God. Nobody ever questions that. If I said, offend God, all right, now you're saying that there's some kind of figure that we have some knowledge of, enough to talk. There's somebody in the, if I took whatever book they were using, whatever literature, and I said, so this is a fair representation. Yes, this is the way he revealed himself. This is the way he described himself. And I say, and you believe that we have and can, that a man can offend this God. I mean, offend him. He'll go, oh, yeah. He tells you, in fact, how, how to do it. And he tells you not to do it. He tells you, live by these rules or you will offend me. And you will suffer the consequences eventually. And I look at him again. I go, you can offend God. And by then they would look at me like I was crazy. Just a variation of me saying, lost your way. A man can lose his way. And by now, with you people, you know, I, I trust that you do not take that as some sort of, that that's the end of some comment, or that I said something worthwhile. That wasn't worth shit, if you don't take it further than that, because it's not an attack on religion or religious people. It is to notice in yourself that your own thoughts are primed, whatever your religious background, or whether you even, could, as far as you're concerned, are no longer religious, if you ever were. You have got to feel it. There is something already that is indigenous in human thought that does not absolutely reject that, does not reject that immediately, the idea that we can lose our way. It's either that, if you're not all that religious, or the idea that you can offend God. Same thing. That you can do something ill-appropriate to you. Ill-appropriate to man or ill-appropriate to you. There is something in our thoughts Whatever is behind, there's something in the operations in the brain prior to conscious thought or producing conscious thought that makes that agreeable. That makes that, when I say agreeable, makes that appear to be a legitimate description of something. A, a genuine possibility. In fact, a genuine occurrence. And anybody who has the kind of cells to be attracted to this Bring those cells out, make them operate a minute, and you know it just simply can't be true. Then the question is, well, why is it that it down there, that it can, it can overwhelm me? I can believe, well, yeah, that's true. Well, hell yeah, I've lived it. I constantly on the verge of losing my way. Are you just saying you're constantly on the verge of staying asleep? Can anybody imagine, I usually say a liver or a kidney. Can you imagine? When I say imagine, you understand I'm asking something else. I'm not trying to make you agree with me like, boy, you made some kind of point. Yeah. Can you imagine a star or a liver criticizing itself, having finding any fault? A star, you know, I don't have to get silly to do it, but a star looking down and going, God, am I putting on weight? Or I've lost my way. Maybe that's why they picked on the stars. Maybe that was the basis of astrology, and that's been forgotten. 
believing that the stars can pick on us. Then if you start that, you can say, well, that's why we came up with the idea of God. To have somebody that could pick on us and our thoughts believe, well, that'll make it stick. Why else do people seek counsel and guidance from somebody else? Almost somebody go see a doctor, ask a friend. If not a professional, or call up a professional on some talk radio show, or just go ask a friend. Like, I'm, I'm to the point now, you know, I used to be a social drinker, but uh, I'm to the point now, I am drinking a pint of bourbon before I get to work. And before the day's out, I've got them stashed all around the office, and I'm killing uh, easily every day a quart. And uh, plus the bosses began to really criticize my work. You know, what do you think? You, you're, you've been around, what do you think? And the person says, well, shit, you're drinking too much. And they go, you know, I... I don't know. I, you know. I guess I knew that. Well, how yeah, they knew that. What do people and people say? Well, I'll. I wonder what to do. I wonder if I'm drinking too much, or I've been fooling around with my wife's sister, and I thought, you know, something doesn't feel right. And so finally, I just opened the Bible, and I thought maybe there's something in here. And sure enough, I just opened to the book of, you know, fooling around number two. Or, <laughs> and sure enough, there it was. That God said, "Thou shalt not fool around." And I went, I, sh I should have known. I, I knew that. Or else, like, well, it's good to know that. Or to go ask a priest. Now, you're sure I shouldn't be screwing my wife's sister. Oh, no. Now, you're not just saying that because you don't get any. No, no, it's right here in the Bible. You know, you shouldn't do that. Now, you're sure, yes. And the person goes, well, it's good to know for a fact. Now, you know from, <laughs> at least our kind of view, I'd say that's, there's no word for it, but it's idiocy. That is, it's just normal thing. <laughs> Nobody seeks advice from any source that they don't already know the answer to. That's no reason you seek it. That's not the only reason. Well, I was trying to get you to consider it. Why do thoughts try to look outside themselves when nobody's going to tell them anything that the thoughts don't know? Or, to put it another way, that the thoughts are not going to accept. If something drove a man to go to a priest or a rabbi, a psychiatrist, and say, uh, I've been screwing my wife's sister, and some of my friends said I shouldn't do it. What do you think? And the rabbi said, oh, no, you shouldn't. He go, really? He go, yeah. He go, well, okay. And the guy leaves and thinks, I bet he's never screwed his, I bet his wife's sister doesn't look like mine. In other words, if something drove him there, but he wasn't ready to hear it, you understand he's not going to take it. It's got nothing to do with God or religion. It has to do with thought. That's all it is. Because your genitals. Do I have to go into that? No man's dick has ever sit around and propped up on its own fist and looked off and thought, am I doing the right thing putting myself in my wife's sister? <laughs> it's only thought. And thought does not seek advice as to what to do. It only seeks reassurance. And it does not get informed. It does not get directed. And the most dangerous part, no, it isn't. As they say in Mississippi, the most funnest part is to think that you need direction and help to know how to awaken. That's the really fun part. And then if you get over that, you think, well, at least I need my own help. Yeah. Except for this. 
which rabbi, which priest, which psychiatrist in you, in your thoughts, are you listening to? And you think, well, the one that is most awake. The one that says that the rest of you have lost your way, right? Well, yeah. Well, you hadn't been listening. Or else you wouldn't have said, well, yeah, you'd have been too embarrassed now. Let me see, I'll make up a quick proverb and we'll go. On the spot. Waking up is the only undertaking to undertake in which the solicitation as to how can I undertake this is the undertaking itself. Trying to awaken is the only activity known to man that having any idea how to do it will bar you completely from ever experiencing it. Or, never mind. Can you people tell out there, was I sitting or standing? It was a test. People here, and most of them that were here in person could tell. But it was a trick. Half the time I was sort of squatting down. And for five minutes I was on one knee. That concludes this talk. Be sure to visit us at jancox.com where you can search through 3,000 talks for topics of interest or just leave us a message.